Hello and welcome to Skin Theory, a podcast that gives you the tools and resources to achieve glowing skin from within. I'm your skin's BFF and holistic nutritionist, Carolyn. This is a safe space where we face acne with a holistic, comprehensive, and personalized approach. I am so grateful that you chose Skin Theory to immerse with me in all things skin, wellness, and personal growth. If you are ready to leave the acne story behind, then let's clear from within. This is the Skin Theory Podcast. Welcome back to the Skin Theory Podcast. I'm so excited to welcome a very special guest with us today. Her name is Mia Giomi. Mia is a certified nutritional practitioner and functional diagnostics nutrition practitioner, specializing in gut health and fatigue. We are diving deep today into the gut-skin connection. If you are struggling with acne, you're struggling with PMS, painful periods, if you're struggling with perioral dermatitis, rosacea, if you're struggling with eczema, any chronic inflammatory skin condition, then this conversation is for you. We are going to be chatting about the gut skin access. We're going to be talking about common gut infections and what you can do about it really right now in your daily life to really feel relief. And then if you are experiencing more chronic issues, how you can get further support through any of the practical steps and tools that me and I cover today. So whether you are driving, folding laundry, or perhaps you're even able to take notes, then pull up a seat and dive into this conversation with us. Mia uses an investigative root cause approach with the ultimate intention of getting people back to living their lives fully without being bogged down by their symptoms. She supports clients in achieving their health goals through a highly bio-individualized approach to nutrition and lifestyle, as well as leaning on tools like conventional and functional lab work. Mia went through her own healing journey, navigating 15 plus years of chronic digestive issues and burnout. With clients, they're able to dive deep and uncover root contributors to their frustrating symptoms, co-creating healing plans that feel practical, realistic, and aligned with their values, with an emphasis on sustainable long-term results. I am so excited to welcome Mia with us today. We are going to dive deep into a conversation about gut health and really trying to understand the guts can connection in a whole new way. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super, super pumped to chat with you today. Yeah, we're going to have a really great conversation around gut health and we're really going to tie it back to the skin. I feel mm-hmm. like a huge focus oftentimes on the podcast is skin health. And I find that we can't really talk about the skin without talking about the gut. And it can be such a helpful place to start, especially for people like we, like I mentioned, struggling with all of those things, whether it's acne and skin issues or more digestive concerns like nausea. Um, IBS, anything like that. And I think a great place to start would be kind of sharing how you got into holistic health and what led you to really focus on digestive health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like many of us practitioners in our positions, you know, probably come from a similar place where, um, like you mentioned in my bio in the intro, that I struggle myself with a bunch of health stuff for honestly as far back as I can remember between like chronic constipation. And I was diagnosed with GERD at a really young age, um, which is like chronic acid reflux. Um, I had really, really crappy periods and acne when I was younger. So I was put on the pill at a really young age. Um, You know, like, yeah, I feel like I dealt with like a bunch of that stuff. And then probably into my like later teen years, like into university, my health started, like my symptoms specifically started getting like really, really bad. Um, Again, just like the bloating, the distension, anxiety, um, depression, 
conservation, like the whole gamut really. Um, and probably similar to other practitioners or even listeners to the podcast, you know, I did what I thought I had to, you know, like I went to see my doctor, I had blood work done. Um, I was referred to many gas, like referred out to many gastroenterologists. I had diagnostic screening done through them, you know, the x-rays, the ultrasounds, the scopes, like the whole thing. Um, and I wasn't finding answers and I felt like shit, if I can swear every single day. And I don't know, I think after years of trying to figure it out through like that allopathic medicine model where I wasn't finding answers, I was like, there has to be another way. Like this can't be normal for me to be feeling like this every day. And I guess I, yeah, got to a point, started going down some rabbit holes on Google as we do. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I like stumbled upon, you know, sort of like naturopathic integrative functional medicine, started seeing naturopaths and nutritionists and like really going in that direction. Um, and that's where I was able to see huge change and transformation in my health. Um, and I think it was a mix of me seeing that transformation in my own healing and in my symptoms, especially after how many doctors told me that there was nothing that they like that I could do about it. Um, and then also just like my personal, like I started to fall in love with the topic and the area. So <clears throat> yeah, that's what like led me to go back to school for this. And I've just been on this path ever since then. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, like you mentioned, it can be so similar for a lot of holistic practitioners, but I think what really helps us stand out is our like motivation and compassion around having our own health journey and helps us like relate to other people more um, and ultimately gives you that like huge motivation to help people feel better. Yeah, I definitely think it lends like a nice empathy to like a lot of my clients too. They come to me and they're like, it's so maybe not cool, but they're like, it's nice that you've gone through this yourself. So you know what it feels like to go through, you know, the healing journey and to be looking for answers and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I definitely think it makes for like a really special relationship with our clients now that we're able to come from that place of like, you know, we've been there too. So like, I know what it's like kind of thing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. I feel like when I was struggling with my skin, I definitely it was always harder to take advice or anything from someone who's like never had like a pimple or something. I'd be like, mm, no, <laughs> I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> Whether their advice could have been good or not, it doesn't matter. Um, it's just a little bit easier to relate. Yeah, absolutely. What habits and rituals over maybe your own experience stand out for you? I know you talked about going down the more holistic route and finally feeling like relief is there anything that stands out to you that had the biggest impact or maybe ones that you see with working with clients mm -hmm. um <clears throat> it's interesting i mean i felt like i like looking back i always felt like i lived a quote unquote healthy lifestyle um but i think a lot of the information that we were inundated with especially like growing up in the generation that we did um, yeah, I, looking back, I realized it maybe wasn't the healthiest lifestyle that I was leading, you know, mm -hmm. like the over-exercising, the under-eating, the dieting, the bouncing between diets, the, you know, experimenting with low fat and low carb and like all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I think just, uh, for me learning what like nourishing nutrition was, was like a big needle mover. Um, and I think like, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I always like thought I ate healthy, but, um, I don't think I ever really made connections between like the food that I was eating and how I was feeling or how it was maybe influencing my symptoms and my gut health and all of that kind of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like just some of the foundational stuff like that and just like, you know, I don't know if you've had, like, if you had a similar experience with school or people listening, but, um, you know, like during university, I was drinking a lot. I was pulling all nighters. I would go like three nights in a row where I was sleeping like two hours a night, you know, like, um, just learning that sleep is really important and prioritizing sleep, like that kind of stuff. I feel like, um, you know, I was able to hone in on a lot of really foundational things, but I think, um, one of the things that stands out to me the most and that I see with clients particularly right now is the stress and nervous system piece. Mm. Um, I see that so often where clients are doing so many incredible things for their health from a nutrition perspective, from a movement perspective, from a sleep perspective, and they're just not like getting to where they want to be with their symptoms or they're not seeing change. Um, And so often it goes back to the body being in a chronic state of fight or flight, being really dysregulated, um, stress being so prevalent in our lives. And yeah, just like plainly, if our body's in a stress state, it's going to be really, really hard for it to heal and feel good. So I feel like that, like really prioritizing for me, like small things in my day rituals and routines that support my nervous system, that bring me down, make me feel grounded, um, made a huge difference. And it's still something I'm working on every day. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably like one of the biggest things with clients too, that I'm chatting with them about and we're trying to figure out how to like bring in more calm to their nervous system yeah I find that something that comes up a lot in my practice as well what are your favorite when you're talking about tools and things for the nervous system what are you thinking of Mm -hmm. I think it's very um very individualized. I think there's certain tools that really resonate with some people and might not resonate with other people. Um, I also think that history of stress and nervous system dysregulation and trauma and all of that stuff maybe influences what tools may or may not be helpful for some people. Um, You know, there's definitely things like therapies, whether it's like talk therapy, CBD, um, like cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, um, or more like somatic therapies, EMDR, like that kind of stuff. If that's accessible to people, I really think that there's like time and place for that. But in terms of like daily rituals, things that, you know, people maybe listening may try at home. Um, the breath, breath work is something that's always really resonated with me. I feel like it's very tangible and, mm. you know, like I don't know. I never really resonated with meditation. And I think it's because I come from the background where I'm like, I'm very busy. I'm always thinking my brain's going a million miles an hour. Um, I historically functioned in that like heightened stress state for so long that to sit down and like fall into meditation didn't feel good to me at the time when I was trying. So breath work being a more active practice, I guess, like really resonated with me. And for me, like, gosh, taking three deep belly breaths can just like physically, physiologically make you feel so different and it takes no time. So I feel like breath work is always something that I'm sharing with clients. I feel like that's really resonated with me, but like reading a book, doing arts and crafts, spending time in nature, being in community with people that make you feel safe and loved. um, You know, all of those things are incredible for your nervous system, Um, getting offline, hydrotherapy like cold therapy you know there's so many different ways that people can yeah support their stress pathways and nervous system yeah I love that those are all really really helpful tools I find too even just hearing you say like take a deep breath I was like kind of taking it <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh yeah I feel better um 
And I, I find, you know, I think it's especially true for those struggling with acne and skin conditions to operate at that like high stress level, probably the same in your practice for more like digestive concerns as well. Mm-hmm. Like It's just, it's very rare that I would see someone come to me and I'm sure for you too, like who just is struggling with their skin or struggling with digestion and they're just like super calm about it. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing with stress too, um, like I think when a lot of us think about or acknowledge stress, we're like, oh, it's like my to-do list or it's the Mm -hmm. fight I'm in with my partner or it's the deadlines at work or it's finances or it's familial stress, like those types of things, which are all of course stressors, probably the most prevalent stressors in our lives. But there's so many other things that can stress our body. I think that many of us aren't aware of, you know, whether it's over-exercising or under-eating or blood sugar dysregulation or um, environmental stressors, a lack of sunlight, like all of those things can also keep your body in that state. So um, those are things too that I talk about with my clients. And I think like a lot of light bulbs go off for them because they're like, oh my gosh, I've been under-eating every day on top of all these other stressors I have in my life. Like what a great way to work on that to at least help alleviate some of that stress that your body is going through. So yeah, there's tons of different types of stress too on top of (laughs) the ones we probably normally think of. Yeah. I'm so happy you brought that up. I feel like emphasizing under eating cannot be said enough, especially as women and people with cycles, that's something we should really be paying attention to. Um, Tying this back to more of like the gut skin access, which we're going to get into more as we keep chatting. What is the gut skin access? I feel like it's brought up a lot in marketing. It's brought up a lot. And I feel like sometimes even I'm confused. Um, Are there specific types of bacteria that have more of a significant impact, maybe connected with the skin? I know you are an expert in this area, so I would love for you to share some insight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a number of different ways that our um, gut can influence our skin health, um, And there's kind of like a conversation discussion between the two. I mean, strictly from a microbial perspective, um, we have microbiomes both in the gut and on the skin. Um, For listeners, if you're unfamiliar with what a microbiome is, it's basically just a collection of a bunch of different types of organisms from bacteria to fungi and yeast to protozoa to archaea, et cetera. Um, And we have all of these... (laughs) little microbes that live on us and within us. And they play big, big roles in many different areas of our health and wellness. Um, And yeah, like our skin has a microbiome that's responsible for keeping our skin barrier nice and healthy. Um, And we have a gut microbiome that benefits us in a number of different ways. Um, And yeah, like our gut can influence our skin health in a few different ways. Um, One of them is through leaky gut or the concept of intestinal permeability. Um, There's even in kind of like the gut skin health world, like some people talk about the concept of like leaky gut and leaky skin having kind of like an interconnection, a conversation between the two. Um, But yeah, like a big, as far as our gut health is concerned, like a big driver for many skin issues, like acne, like eczema, like psoriasis, rosacea, all of that stuff is um, what's known as leaky gut. So if we have... Um, 
offenders in our gut that leads to our gut lining becoming leaky. Um, if you think of our like intestine as a tube that flows through our body, um, there's a lining, a barrier between what's happening inside our GI tract and the rest of our body. And that lining is only one cell thick. And when there's offenders in our gut that compromises that lining, um, and we have different proteins and microbes and lipopolysaccharides and stuff that can translocate from our gut through that compromised barrier into our bloodstream, um, we can get both like localized and systemic inflammation. So if we have mm. what's called leaky gut, it can lead to inflammation in the body. And then that can ultimately manifest as different skin issues. So that's like a big one that I see as far, especially with um, eczema, I, acne as well, but eczema and like psoriasis and that kind of stuff. There's huge, huge mm. ties to leaky gut or intestinal permeability. Um but yeah, like inflammation in general, like there's tons of microbes to your question, Carolyn, that can impact our skin health. Um, and there's a lot of different microbes that, um, you know, we see have like clinical manifestations. So um, like Staphylococcus aureus is a big one. I'm not sure if you've like come across that in your practice, but um, that can be responsible for like staph infections on the skin, but it can also play a big role in eczema. So that's something to think about in eczema cases. Um, and staph aureus, which is a specific bacteria, strain of bacteria, um, can also manifest as acne on the skin as well. So okay. in people who might have, you know, chronic cases of acne and eczema, and they've rolled out a bunch of other, you know, potential contributors that might be something to think about. Um, there's different bacteria like H. pylori that can contribute to skin issues. So I see like acne, rosacea, um, urticardia, which is like like rashes on the skin, like hives kind oh, of, okay, yeah. um, can be driven, especially like hives or rashes that people are like, I don't know what the heck is driving this. Like, there's nothing that I'm like doing that might be contributing to this H. pylori might be something to consider. Um, candida of course. So fungi yeah. yeast, um, can definitely translate to skin issues, whether it's like perioral dermatitis. I see that a lot with more like candida parasite protozoa presentations. Um, but yeah, even like tinea versicolor and like dandruff and like that kind of stuff can all be driven by fungi yeast. So there's definitely a lot of different microbes that can <laughs> contribute yeah. to different skin presentations for sure. Yeah. Such a good, like well-rounded kind of just like intro into all the different things that can be going on in the gut. I know you mentioned H. pylori a little bit and candida. I feel like in my world at least, or even like I'm thinking on like social and stuff, I feel like H. pylori and candida probably are like maybe the most well-known. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I see them popping up a lot, whether they're more common than other gut infections. Mm -hmm. um, but how common are you seeing H. pylori and candida? Like how common are they really? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, H. pylori is by far the most common infection that I see in clinic. Um, it's interesting, actually, it's the most common bacterial infection overgrowth globally, upwards of like 50% of our global population will be oh. infected with it or have um, it present in their system at any given time. So it's like very, very, very common. Um, mm. Some people can carry H. pylori and not present with symptoms. Um, there's actually some uh, beliefs around the fact that it could be commensal or like beneficial in some cases, um, particularly in children. So yeah, it's an interesting 
microbe, um, but it's definitely the one that I see most common in clinic and it often presents um, or like manifests as like upper GI symptoms and lower GI symptoms. But a lot of people who have H. pylori infections will have like GERD or acid reflux or nausea, burping, like a hard time digesting food, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely, it can also contribute, like I said, to acne and rosacea and eczema, um, urticardia, like all of that kind of stuff. Um, so if you're listening to this and you have any of those symptoms or you resonate with any of those symptoms, it might be something to, you know, consider diving into. Um, and then candida, I see a little less commonly, um, H. pylori and candida can be co-infections. So that just means that they can kind of like live together and support each other in the gut. So sometimes we'll see like both of them sort of like building each other up and supporting, you know, the proliferation of each other. Um, candida is historically very hard to test for, especially on a stool test. So that's one of the microbes like yeast and fungus is one of the things that, um, testing can like be helpful in some cases we can do like organic acids testing or stool testing, um, can be hard to catch on stool tests, but symptoms can be really helpful to Mm. work with as far as like candida and yeast. Um, yeah. So all that to say, like on, from a uh, purely testing perspective, it's maybe less common just with like the, it's difficult mm. to, to capture on a stool test, which is like more commonly what I'm running for clients. Um, but in terms of like symptom presentations, it's, you know, something that I see often enough, especially as it relates to like skin issues and that kind of thing. Yeah. I see candida a lot, like especially symptoms with people also struggling with their skin. And I think, I know you were saying like you were talking about leaky gut and it's oftentimes like one of these gut infections that are contributing to leaky gut. I think Mm -hmm. that can be confusing for people too. Like, you know, just addressing the leaky gut is maybe not getting to the actual problem. Totally. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A good thing to remember with leaky gut is that it's never root cause. So there's always something that's making the gut quote unquote leaky. So whether it is Mm -hmm. like you said, like some sort of infection or pathogen, or it's, um, you know, like antibiotics can impact that stress, uh, excessive use of NSAIDs, like non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, um, antigens from foods. There's lots of things that can like offend that like very delicate gut lining. Um, so yeah, to your point, like it's not only important to make sure that we're keeping our gut lining nice and healthy, but also addressing like what's contributing to that intestinal permeability in the first place. So helpful. So helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, moving a little bit into the liver and gallbladder, cause I feel like oftentimes with skin health, the first thing that we get excited about with like acne or anything like that, it's like, there's so many like detoxes out there. Um, I feel like that's usually a lot of people that I work with and maybe you as well, like they've gotten super excited about like some detox protocol, whether they've tried supplements or just like through teas or something. So I feel like the liver and gallbladder do maybe get, especially the liver, maybe get more attention, but I think understanding it in a little bit better might be more helpful for people. So with the liver and gallbladder, where can people get started and what should they be paying attention to? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, our liver gallbladder like plays such a big role in our digestive health, which of course plays a big role in our skin health. Um, Mm -hmm. our liver is such a powerhouse, um, you know, and (laughs) plays so many important roles in our body. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I think most people think as you were just saying, um, you know, liver detox, 
you know, that's kind of like where our brain goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's important for people to realize is that our skin is also a detox organ. So yeah. oftentimes when um, other pathways in the body, whether it's, um, you know, the gut, which is another detox organ, right? Um, we have a lot of stuff that's sent via our GI tract that we get rid of as waste, right? Of course. Um, so if, if certain detoxification pathways or like waste removal pathways in the body are congested, backed up a little bit overburdened based like due to, you know, lifestyle, nutrition, that kind of thing. Um, our body might look for other means of getting rid of waste. Um, so that could be one reason why people are presenting with acne breakouts, like that kind of stuff. If, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if you're, gut is congested. If you're maybe not having a bowel movement every day, if you're quite constipated, if your liver's congested, your body might be looking to the skin as a means of getting rid of wastes and toxins and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, with skin stuff, like I'm always thinking liver, um, I'm not a proponent of detoxes, um, detoxes in, by means of like yeah, I don't know, like doing a really extreme restrictive diet with like a OTC, like over the counter kind of like detox program. Like I'm, I'm not really a huge proponent of that, but I do think there's definitely time and place to, you know, be really intentional with like the foods that you're eating that are known to support good liver function and liver detoxification. Like I definitely think there's time and place for being intentional from, you know, a nutrition and lifestyle perspective. And we can chat about that if you want me to give some examples, but, um, yeah, like liver gallbladder is so important to think about. Like our liver, of course, plays such a big role in detox. It also produces bile, um, which mm-hmm. is a substance that gets sent to our gallbladder to be concentrated and secreted. And bile is secreted um, to help us digest fat. Okay. Without it, we have a really, really hard time digesting fat. Um, essential fatty acids are so important for skin health, right? So that's like one thing yeah. to think about is that we want to make sure that we're supporting liver gallbladder health to make sure we're digesting fat properly from like a skin health perspective, Mm -hmm. but then other nutrients that are really important for skin health, like um, vitamin A and vitamin E, which are big antioxidants, help with oxidative stress, help keep our skin healthy. um, Those are fat soluble vitamins. So if we're not producing enough bile, if we're not digesting and breaking down fats well enough, we might not be absorbing fat soluble vitamins well enough. And those are all things that are really important for skin health. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to think about as well. Um, as far as like what to look out for, do you mean like, as far as, you know, if like liver or gallbladder health might be like stagnant or something or like, yeah, like maybe on top of like the outward skin symptoms, exactly. are there other things that pop out to you mm-hmm. maybe that's yeah um definitely as far as like liver health and like bile flow specifically like um greasy or floating stool could be indicative that you're not digesting fats well so i would think of like bile um pale colored stool there's a component in bile that gives our stool that like i was gonna say that nice brown color but yeah that nice brown uh-huh. color that we <laughs> that we aim for Um, so those are things to think about, like bloating, constipation is a big one. Bile is like kind of like a natural laxative that helps promote like healthy bowel movements. So that would be something to think about too, constipation. So if you're not having one to three bowel movements a day, um, but then, you know, like hormonal imbalances, um, thyroid issues, like our liver is one of the main conversion sites for a thyroid hormone, um, fatigue, brain fog, skin stuff. Like there's so many different ways that our, um, liver specifically, because it has 
so much influence on all of the systems in our body. Like there's a lot of, I guess, like signs and symptoms that could be traced back to it, but those are a few to maybe look out for. Yeah. I feel like that's really helpful. And that's something people can even like look out for right away <laughs> and like take a look. Um, when people are struggling, yeah, seriously, <laughs> when people are thinking about their gut health and skin health, are there any specific lifestyle changes or supplements that you find particularly effective? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like our gut health, like I was saying earlier, can impact our skin health in so many different ways. Like there's that kind of like leaky gut intestinal permeability picture that we just briefly touched on. There's also the microbiome potential for infection, things like microbially that can contribute to skin issues. But then there's also just like digestion and nutrient deficiencies, right? Like we also need to make sure that we're like consuming the right nutrients for healthy skin. And then also that we're able to digest and digest them and absorb them and and use them. Um, so in terms of like really tangible things that people can do, like one thing is just like, make sure that you're supporting your digestive function, your digestive processes as best you can. So that could look like, um, like chewing your meals really, really well, like chewing your food, well, um, I see this so often in clinic where people just aren't chewing their food well enough. And our mouth is one of the main areas where we have like mechanical digestion, where we have teeth for a reason, right? So the more that we can chew, the easier it is for the rest of our digestive system to like process and digest and break down our food so we can absorb those beautiful nutrients from it. So that's a really simple, I think, tangible thing people can focus on like right away is chewing sitting down and carving out like 10 to 15 minutes to like properly enjoy your meal without rushing through it or eating with distractions, you know, like I love to, and I mean, I think it's important that people meet themselves where they're at. Like, I know people are juggling a lot of things and kids and jobs and the whole thing. So do this to the best of your ability. But I think carving out time for mealtime is really important. And just like trying to eat in a relaxed state, taking a few of those deep breaths before your meal, chewing properly, um, romanticizing your meals, like cooking, you know, all of those things can be really helpful to support good digestion. And when we're digesting well, ideally we'll be absorbing, you know, the nutrients that we need to support healthy skin. So that's like one thing is just like really focusing on how can you support your digestion and give your gut a little TLC from that perspective. Um, and then in terms of like the gut microbiome, specifically. So how to take care of that. Um, I think a few good rules for people is diversity in plant foods. So all the microbes in our gut microbiome love to feast on different fibers um, and prebiotics from the foods that we're eating. So I think a really good rule of thumb for most people is just try to get the most diversity in your plant foods as you can. So from like vegetables to fruit, to beans and legumes and whole grains and nuts and seeds, like the more diverse your diet as far as that goes, um, the better and more beneficial it's going to be for your microbiome. I love to recommend to people like when they go to the grocery store, either buy a plant food that you've either never had and just like look up a recipe when you get home, figure it out when you get home or pick up something that you haven't purchased for the last like two or three weeks, just to constantly be trying to expose your microbiome to different foods, different fibers. Mm. Um, and then polyphenols, which a good, like an easy way to remember like what polyphenols are, they're often the constituents in our food that give them their um, color. So if you think of like dark colored berries and like red cabbage and red onion and like deeply colored, like rich colored foods, 
Um, polyphenols are really incredible at a number of different things, but they are prebiotic. So they help to feed the beneficial microbes in the gut microbiome. Um, so another easy way for people to remember this is just like eat the rainbow. So like on a daily and weekly basis, try to get as many colorful foods in as you can. Um, cause again, the more diversity in the colors that you're eating, the more it's going to benefit your microbiome, thus your skin. Um, plus that way you're going to be getting a ton of like vitamins and minerals that are also really, really important for skin health. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I'm not the type of practitioner who likes to recommend like restriction or removal of things, but there's definitely, you know, like ultra processed foods and there's certain foods that tend to be more pro-inflammatory than others. Like those are some things to think about if you're struggling with skin issues, like can you minimize or mitigate your exposure to highly processed foods, um, you know, pro-inflammatory oils, like that kind of stuff and see if that translates into, um, healthier skin, I suppose. I think, yeah, I don't like to demonize foods, but I do think there are foods, of course, that tend to promote more inflammation in the body than others. And then inflammation obviously is a major contributor to different skin issues. So. Yeah. That's such a helpful overview. And I feel like such kind of like easy things to remember, eat the rainbow, eat more variety, and then just like do what you can to limit the stuff that we know doesn't make us feel great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I do find for skin conditions, especially like if you've had a skin condition, you've typically had it if you know, if, if you're in like your 30s, it's rare for something just to like pop up in your 30s or your 20s that you've mm-hmm. never had before. I find if you are prone to acne or you're prone to eczema or you're prone to dermatitis or rosacea, like you've typically had it flare up more than once in your life. Um, so if someone has been struggling with like a chronic inflammatory skin condition, what do you recommend? I know you work a lot with functional labs. Um and do you find these to be a supportive tool for these types of experiences? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could definitely talk about labs. Um, I think they can be such a great tool in the right circumstance. I think like um, one thing I like to recommend to people and one thing I'm always thinking about as a, like as a clinician when I'm working with clients is timeline. Um, you know, whether, yeah, I just, I love to recommend to clients or like, I'll kind of do this on the back end when I'm working with clients is try to like um, like build out for yourself a timeline, um, you know, like what was happening in your life around the time that you started, um, you know, if it's someone who started experiencing acne or eczema in their like teen years or into their twenties or whatever, um, building out a timeline of like, what did life look like? What was your health history? Like, um, what was your nutrition? Like what life experiences were you going through? What medications might have you had to take? Were you sick growing up? Like all of these things can help build out a bit of a timeline. Um, did you ever have food poisoning? Did you ever get, you know, things like that. Um, Hmm. I feel like it could be really helpful to build out a bit of a timeline to identify any potential triggers or was there a particular circumstance in life that was sort of like the main catalyst for you having, um, you know, these skin issues manifest. So that can be really helpful to start to identify like what root contributors might have been or might be. Um, I think that's just like a really helpful exercise, whether you do that for yourself or like in conjunction with a practitioner to help start to like identify what might be happening. Um, And then, yeah, I think like, um, I'm sure you would like agree with this, Carolyn, but like an intern or sorry, yeah, like an internal and external approach, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's really important that um we're mindful of like the topicals that we're using and supporting a skin barrier and we're aware of um 
products and Mm -hmm. gosh, I mean, even things just like not washing our hands and then touching and picking our face or like Mm -hmm. not washing our bedding often enough, you know, like those things can contribute and, and exacerbate acne and that kind of thing. So thinking about like environmental topicals Mm -hmm. from like an external perspective like what are the lowest hanging fruit um you know there and then also trying to approach things of course from an internal perspective because we know that um oftentimes skin issues are kind of like a mirror as to what might be happening internally um and then yeah I mean as far as like you know if you've struggled with chronic inflammatory skin issues for a while like definitely think about gut health think about hormones think about your liver your detox pathways, are you hydrated? What's your mineral status? Like all of those things are important things to think about. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, if people are feeling really stuck, like I think that's where you and like people like you and I, right, can come in and be really, really supportive for people and helping them dive a bit deeper, or think about areas that they might not have considered. Um, it's interesting. I've been having a lot of eczema clients specifically like coming into my world lately. Um, and a lot of people, I think I take for granted, like sometimes the um, knowledge that we have, but like a lot of people just aren't aware of the tie between gut health and things like eczema and psoriasis and that kind of stuff. So it's really cool to be able to like educate people on that and, um, have that as like an avenue to explore. Um, yeah, yeah, cause there's so much that we can do for all of these different health, like skin presentations, you know? Yeah. Eczema is always one that like, it always like, it always surprises me, maybe just because I focus mostly on acne. I find mm-hmm. it like way more complicated. But I mean, it's like any manifestation. Do you find them similar? Like, um, like from a gut perspective, even? Yeah, I mean, there's many things that can drive both of those, yeah. you know, like even with acne, like, yeah, the gut can play a role, but it can also be hormonal. It can also be, yeah. um, you know, due to like external environmental factors, like there's lots of things that can play a role in the presentation of acne. There's different types of acne. There's fungal acne. There's not like, you know, um, and then with eczema, there's like many different subtypes of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's like a huge genetic component to that, um, as well. Mind you, like epigenetics is the study of how our environment turns on our genes or not. So like, there's definitely, you know, lifestyle and environment plays a big role in how, how that manifests. But, um, yeah, as far as eczema, like there are certain patterns that I tend to see as far as, um, GI health specifically and specific, um, you know, like that H pylori candida picture and then the like staph aureus, like there are specific kind of patterns, microbial speaking, that might be contributors to eczema. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. I feel like I went off on a tangent. (laughs) No, that's helpful. I feel like eczema, I mean, for me, like I always feel like sometimes acne can feel like more of a of a question mark. Sometimes people are like, I don't even know what's contributing to my acne. Mm. It feels like really difficult to like pinpoint. Whereas eczema, I'm like, oh, it's you. I feel like maybe sometimes it can be more like obvious, but it's probably just because maybe I don't like deal with it as much I just mean like from like a food perspective I feel like eczema can feel a little bit easier to connect the dots between like a food allergy or intolerance with eczema yeah I mean yeah you're like with acne you know like I mean food plays a big role in that too stress plays a big role sleep you know like there's products that you put on your skin like there's so many different things even just like outside of gut health and nutrition that can influence 
how acne manifests or like, yeah, if you go to the gym and you don't shower right away and you have like your sweat and then all that stuff that you're sweating out, like chilling on your skin, like that can be a big driver for acne, you know, like there's so many different ways. Um, yeah, that that can occur for people. So yeah, I think there's something to that. Um, with, um, oh, sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. I was just going to talk about testing, but tell me. Oh yeah. I was going to ask you about testing. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I was just going to say like with testing, like who is it the best fit for and what do you notice most often? Yeah. Anything else about functional testing? Yeah. So functional labs are definitely like a pretty, I'd say like pretty big part of my practice. I'm definitely like, I will die on the hill of honing in on your foundations and fundamentals. Like I think that it's like the daily rituals and our foundations that play such a big role in, and foundations, I mean, like good nutrition, movement, sleep, getting outside into nature, community, like all of those really foundational things for our health that I think were um, easy to discount because they're so fundamental and like basic for most people, right? They're like, no way that just like prioritizing my sleep is going to make a difference, you know? Anyway, so um, that's a big, big part of the work that I do with clients is really, really dialing in those like basic fundamentals. Um, but lab testing is something that can be really cool, um, in some circumstances. So I find that for people who, um, for me, I like to use functional labs when it's going to change my approach with a client. So if it's going to, if having like the tangible data, the test results is going to help inform my decisions moving forward and how we're approaching a certain case. Um, that's when I think they have a lot of value. If we're running labs and it's not really going to change the recommendations that I'm making to a client, I don't think that that's a good use of a client's um, funds that they're putting towards um, their healing. Um, functional labs can be quite expensive. Um, so that's one case is where for me as the clinician, like if it's going to help me make decisions more strategically for that client, then I think it's a really great tool. Um, some people also really love, like I have a few clients top of mind who they just really love, um, seeing the data. I think it's very validating for people to be like, okay, like here's some test results based on my stool test. These are the correlations, or these could be the things that are contributing to my symptoms. Let's navigate and deal with those and address those things. Um, and then ultimately the idea is that, you know, if those are the things contributing to symptoms, we see those symptoms resolve. So I think for people, it can be very validating to like see on a piece of paper like oh I have this infection in my gut it's likely what's contributing to my xyz symptom let's address that and go from there Mm -hmm. um or for people who are really stuck like I have a lot of clients come to me and they've done so much incredible work already from a nutrition perspective from a lifestyle lifestyle perspective they're sleeping they're eating beautifully they're doing the whole thing a lot of stuff that I probably would have recommended anyways but they're like I'm still not where I want to be or like, I'm still not seeing change in my symptoms. Like that might be a time where I'm like, okay, like let's maybe investigate a bit further. Let's like peel back Mm -hmm. some layers a little bit, you know, and like run some labs to see what that tells us. Um, So those are some circumstances I think where like functional labs can be really supportive and helpful tools. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. that can be so, so great, especially for people dealing with chronic skin conditions because it can feel like You've tried everything and, you know, testing can just provide, if anything, like relief that it's like there is more Mm -hmm. that you can dig into, especially like you said, if you've done all the foundational work and your skin is maybe at the same point or maybe worse sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's nice knowing that there are tools out there that can dig a little bit deeper and hopefully find some answers for people. Yeah, I think it's really validating. And I can totally, I'm sure you can too, like empathize with that where it's like, you've done stuff for years and years and years. You've been doing all the right things and you're still not where you want to be as it relates to your symptoms. So yeah, I think it's like a good, yeah, it's just validating, right? For people to be like, okay, I knew something was off. Like this is it, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So helpful. Um, And I know you offer both options. Like I know you offer, you have your standalone course, which is more focused on foundations. And then if someone is more interested in the lab work, you have one-to-one, right? Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Mm-hmm. It's nice having yeah. those options. Um, totally. <laughs> what is something, this is something I ask everyone who's on the podcast, actually, what is something that you might tell your your younger self? Mm. That's the question. Oh my gosh. There's so many things I would tell my younger self. (laughs) Um, I think like, can I say two? Is that really silly of me to say like two things? I feel like there's like two things that are so top of mind for me. Like one of them is that one thing I would tell my younger self is don't take life so seriously. I've historically like, I still am and I'm working on it. Just that like type A perfectionist, just prioritize school and work over like everything. Like I've had to do so much work around that for myself and like just taking life so seriously. And that's where I think that like whole chronic stress, nervous system dysregulation piece came like really into play for me as it relates to my health specifically. Um, So yeah, don't take life too seriously. And then I think another thing that maybe relates to that is like, you don't have to have it all figured out. The older I get and the more I'm learning is that like people I feel like I put on such a pedestal where I'm like, oh, at this age, they had like all this stuff figured out, blah, blah, blah. Um, We don't always like we don't have it all figured out, you know, and like they don't either probably. And like, that's OK. And like, just enjoy the road, like the journey. Um, Yeah, I think just like taking the pressure off of myself looking back could have like done myself really, really well. <laughs> And you'll enjoy it more. I love yeah. both of those. I'm adding both of those to my list for sure. I love it. <laughs> and where can Great people question. find and connect with you? Yeah. Um, in terms of like my online homes, I feel like Instagram's like the place that I tend to spend the most time. Um, it's just my name at Mia Geomi. And then my website's the same, just miageomi.com. Um, yeah, I have a lot of good resources on there. Again, like the skin gut connection is like so prevalent. So I have like a few really good blog posts that dive into it a bit deeper, like on my website, I have some free resources on there. My Instagram has some like great content that you can go and dive into if you want to learn a little bit more about this topic. Um, yeah, those are my two like homes on the interwebs. Amazing. (laughs) I'm going to link all of that in the show notes as well. Thanks, Mia. This was such a, such a great, valuable conversation. And I'm so grateful that you joined me. Thank you. Likewise, thanks so much for having me. I hope that, yeah, there's some like really tangible tools that people can go off and get started with right away. And that, yeah, people just feel like they have some some hope for their skin healing journey. I know it can be a long one. So um, keep digging deeper. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to know more about clearing acne holistically, then head on over to carolynhale.com. And if you really enjoyed the episode, I'd love for you to share it with a friend or leave a rating and review. As an acne nutritionist, creating space for you to feel seen and understood on this wild skin journey is my passion. If there is one thing I know from supporting clients worldwide is that you are not alone in your skin struggles. 
Tune in each week and together we will explore not only how to clear acne, but completely transform the way you think and feel about your skin. It's the perfect time for you to clear acne, reclaim self-love, and thrive. Until next time, I am wishing you glowing skin from within.